0: Hi. Oh, welcome to Canel and Bell, Raja off with a rough start. I am so frustrated. I'm on here. You can see it. I'm trying to get in the draw for the uh, Travis Scott Cactus Jack collection of the Jordan Sixes. I'm done. I'm done I'm trying to game. You're in? in? You got it? Yeah. So I, just, I just
1: did it after my News in 90 hit real quick. I my at this hour.
0: I'm straight. So here's what frustrates me to no end whatsoever. I had it all up. I thought I have everything entered. And then it says add shipping address, which I thought was in there. And then I'm like trying to add. It's a rookie mistake on my that's part. a rookie mistake. Well, let's be real. I wasn't going to get them. I don't think you're going to get them either. If you do, them, am oh, don't bad hate bad. on me, bro. That's, that is uncool. <laughs> I'm definitely going to hate on you <laughs> if I get him. Uh But we'll see. Well, you keep me posted. If I see you celebrating, that's a good thing. I also <laughs> want to try to pick them up in New York because I'm in New York City. Where, again, the connection may be a little dicey. Stay patient with us. We will try to get it straightened out. But we got to get to a big show. we got a big show to get to, including the NBA. Steph had 40 in the preseason. We'll hit on that a little bit. Um, Colin Kaepernick's people uh, have apparently reached out to every single team. What does that mean? Um, And some other topics as well, as well as our picks for the weekend. But let's start it off with some Thursday night football reaction. As the New England Patriots were a 17-point favorite, against the New York Giants last night playing in Foxborough. Most people assumed, and correctly so, that the Patriots would run away with this game, but there is a but. It wasn't quite the dominant game that we thought we were going to mm-hmm. see unfold as it was 14-14 at the half, and then the Patriots totally took over at late and won 35-14 to cover, mind you. But there's something about this Patriots team, and it's hard to knock. Maybe you're, Maybe I'm just overreacting to this one. They don't feel and this is a different there's a different they're a different team because they're led by the defense for the first time in a long time their offense with Tom Brady the greatest of all time isn't the key story it's the defense and I do think I can't stand Raj when you see people try to predict the end of Tom Brady I think he's dropped off somewhat this season and I think his stats bear that out are you seeing the same thing um
1: I'm not ready to say that Tom has dropped off, Danny. Um, The stats may say that, but he's working with very little uh, help offensively. And I, and I, look, I've always, I, I know they all, they haven't spent a lot of money on going out and getting him premier weapons, right? They usually kind of plug and play offensively, but, but as a quarterback or any player that's a star starts to get older, you have to start putting better weapons and more support around him. And I don't know that you can say that about new England. So, you know, I'm sitting there watching them play, and I bet on them again this year because they burned me in the past. And until they don't do it, uh, I'm going to assume that they can. But they do not look like the same team. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's the lack of uh, firepower for whatever reason offensively. Uh, the defense is very, very stout. But in a league where, you know, your better teams are going to hang big numbers on the board, and you got to go through the Kansas City Chiefs of the world, even though they've been in a slump lately offensively, you're going to have to score points. And they don't have that guy out there. They lost Josh Gordon last night. Was their one kind of uh, down the field threat? Uh, Philip Dorsett's hurt, but who who is the guy? Julian Edelman is great. Um, you know those underneath receivers and backs. The way they worked out with the quick passing game is cool. But ultimately, you got to be able to take some shots, and I don't know that they can.
0: Yeah. So it used to be, you know, you had Gronk as the tight end was a big target for him. He's gone. They've had at least a nice complement of wide receivers outside of Julian Edelman you know, the Antonio Brown experiment didn't work out, but it totally makes sense why they were trying to find that one. Uh, Josh Gordon is a weapon, but you wonder where he's going to be, how consistent he's going to be out there. So it does look like that. This team kind of reminds me of the team that Peyton Manning won with on the Broncos when the Broncos were a dominant defense and they didn't need Peyton Manning to be historically all-time great Peyton Manning. It was actually one of Peyton, I think it you could make a really strong case. It was Peyton Manning's worst year as a quarterback in his last season, but they and he had more interceptions. They had a touchdown, and they still won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's not having that bad of a season. It's just relative to what we've seen, the standard that he set. But you mentioned this defense. They're tied. Um, they're first in total defense, first in pass defense, third in rush defense, and uh opponents opponents points per game. They're first with only allowing eight, and they're first in takeaways. They have been a ball hawking team. Again, there's a lot of buts, though, when you look at at the Patriots. Their schedule has been a joke. If you look at the quarterbacks they have defended, have not exactly been your, you know, list of Hall of Famers when it's guys like Luke Falk and, um, you know, other Josh Rosen, guys that are just not that impressive. You know, they did stop Ben Rothberger. That was in game one of the season. But even still, I would look at that one and say, yeah, but. And then against the Buffalo Bills, they caught a quarterback in Josh Allen who's still very young. Uh, in his tenure there, so and and they knocked him out of the game. But Josh Allen had three picks there. I think there is something where I totally understand the criticism of the Patriots, and I am sticking with my pick of the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl and beat them in an AFC Championship game. And I think what actually could hurt them somewhat is their schedule that is so light because it's not going to change much anytime soon. Now, it gets a little bit tougher when they go on the road to the Ravens. They'll get a chance against uh, Lamar Jackson. Going to place Carson Wentz, who's playing at a really elite level, Cowboys, Texans, and then ultimately the Chiefs. But I think they'll be pretty comfortable here where they're going to be in the mix for that number one seed as the Chiefs have already lost. They haven't. I think that the Patriots might get the home field advantage throughout, which is going to be a huge help for them.
1: Well, um, that will be the litmus test, that stretch of the schedule there after you get through the Jets where you get the Browns and, and then you get... Um, who was it? Baltimore and Philly. Like if they can come through that, um, you know, with above 500, because that, that's a tough stretch. There's some good teams in there that will pose different problems, and they get and they get the home field. Danny, it's it's one of those conversations um, that I'll have that tr- transcends just football. It's any sport. If you give me, you know, a Hall of Fame type of number one, um, and then you give me a Hall of Fame coach who, who's got championships on his resume, I will trust them to figure it out uh, against just about anybody you put them up against, uh, especially in football one game scenarios. Uh, where Bill Bill Belichick and company can kind of, you know, game plan and figure out what your weaknesses are and try to identify them and exploit them. Uh, I'm going with them, whether whether they are the best offense or the best defense or not. If you're if you're getting there and you give me those two things, a, a Hall of Fame number one and a Hall of Fame coach, I'm riding with that team.
0: Uh, Tom Brady has his lowest completion percentage and passer rating since 2014. If you think that's a reason to panic, don't, because they also won the Super Bowl that year again for me for the patriots it's all about setting the table getting into the playoffs and then you hit the reset button which is what happened last year they looked awful in december they get in what do they do they go win the super bowl but i, I, I do,
1: do i i do danny think like not to cut you off cuz i know we got a, the connection on the skype is bad but I, I do like and i know we'll probably get to it with the gronk situation and you know they have to figure out where where the threat's going to be, like whether it's going to be, you know, I don't know. Antonio Brown could potentially go on the commissioner's exempt list. He's out there saying you got to pay me anyway. Like I want to come back. I don't know that they do that. You know, Gronk's in the wind in terms of having not fired his uh, or filed his retirement papers. They have to figure out how to get a weapon other than Julian Edelman in the passing game. Something maybe they haven't. It. Maybe it's Philip Dorsett when he comes back and he's healthy. Maybe it's Josh Gore. I don't know, but they they need that.
0: So you mentioned Gronk. I mentioned him earlier. I don't know if you saw the pregame show. I was actually watching Fox's pregame show where they introed Gronk and had him come out there in his debut as a broadcaster. He's pretty good, by the way. He brought a lot of energy, kind of a little bit of a WWE feel, which I think you would expect from Gronk. Vraj, there is – I'm going to put it at 98% that he comes back to the Patriots. They asked him about it on the set, and he was wishy-washy, and he's like, I'll never close that door completely – Robert Kraft was asked about it. He said he's yet to file his retirement papers, which is zero shock, and that they can only hope and pray that he returns. I'm telling you, 98%, he comes back in December, maybe four games to kind of have that preseason where he gets going. I think he's coming back. And that could be, and it's a great setup for Gronk. Like, why wouldn't you come back? They can figure out a salary. You play four games. I think he's going to miss it. I think he does miss it. But you go back, you miss all that wear and tear on your body you go back and you help them make a run in the playoffs. I think it makes total sense and I think it's going to happen.
1: Well, I'm cool with that and and I think it makes sense too. My only the only question I would have about why take the job with Fox then? Like if they, if that's, you know, the end yeah. game, like why he, do that?
0: <laughs> Money? Why not? I mean, he's probably bored too and if he doesn't, you know, he can still train and he's he's still out there. You know, you're still getting
2: your brand out there uh when you do that. Joey, what's up? Yeah, Raj, I, uh, I just wanted to give some credit where credit's due, where I think it's due. About a month ago, there was this press conference that Gronk had where he was promoting his CBD stuff, and he was really emotional, and he was crying and talking about how the game uh, treated him and this and that. After watching Gronk last night, not only did he say he'll leave the door open, but he was talking about how much he loves the game, and he loves seeing the hits, and he loves the action. You said a month ago, I think Gronk might be acting in this emotional stuff. I think he might just be trying to sell his CBD, and that's why he's getting all emotional. After watching him last night, Raja, I think you're right. I think he was just trying to be a salesman. There you go. Baloney. It was (laughs) baloney.
1: And listen, it's a testament to Gronk. Like, you might have some acting chops, bro. He had a lot of people fooled. Not me.
0: (laughs) I I don't know if he was acting or not. He's obviously a pitch man for a CBD company, which a lot of guys are out there doing. I saw Carson Palmer the other day selling it, too. And good for them for getting it. But you can be a, he's, he's, he looks like he's in great shape and I think he's going to miss it. He talked about missing it. I think he'll go back and make a run there and he could come back as the hero because it could be a difference in their offensive production that they might need to get past that Chiefs team. Cause I do think that's not going to be an easy task to shut down that Kansas City offense, no matter where they play. Another potential option for them, according to one Antonio Brown, is him who is still trying to make his case to play. I can't figure it out, but you you be the judge, Raja. I listen to this video of A.B. Uh, saying about what he wants to do. To all the real A.B. supporters, you know I'm doing everything in my power to make you guys proud, man. I'm in school. I'm training. I'm visiting high schools. Uh, I'm going to do everything to give back. You know.
2: And if I could ever get back in the game, I gotta. So, time out, I'm gonna get back to work.
0: So, you guys are having a beautiful day. And you guys follow the Patriots, tell them call me. They still gotta pay me, so, might as well let me earn it. XFL, never. That was, that was not even in the question. Ha ha. I cannot figure this dude out. Remember, he's like, I'm done with the NFL. I don't want to play anymore. And he's like, screw you guys. And now he's out there making the case that he wants to play again. Come on, man. I'm so tired of A.B. Like, really, I'm tired of Zach.
1: I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, not funny, um, how quickly the whole A.B. thing went away, though, right? Like, we haven't heard anything about any of those, you know, allegations or any of that kind of stuff pop up again. I find that. Uh, kind of interesting that it was moving so fast and then all of a sudden once the Patriots cut him it's just it seems like it's kind of stalled out um AB is just you know a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy at least from my perspective I don't know him he seems to kind of get real emotional and go off half cocked it doesn't seem like he really puts a lot of thought into some of the stuff he says or the videos he releases it's just kind of spur of the moment spontaneous reaction and boom this is what you get um, when you do that often, you're going to wind up contradicting yourself all over the place. Um, and that's what you have here. So I, I really don't know what to think of AB, um, uh, other than he on the field, he's a great, you know, he's a great talent. Um, I, I just, I do find it interesting, Danny, that we haven't heard anything about movement, um, from the, the legal side of things with AB. And that would be what needs to happen before someone would roll the dice on him again.
0: And I think also you mentioned something. He's been out of the spotlight. I think that bothers him. I think he put out this video to get himself back in the conversation, which is one thing that drives me nuts about him. Uh, I did want to hit quickly on Daniel Jones, quarterback for the uh, New York Giants, um, who struggled in the game. Nobody would have uh, predicted them to win that game. I do think so. I think first impressions matter so much. And that's where I go back to his first start. When he went down to Tampa Bay, and he had this game, and it was a great game, right? He threw for 300 yards, had two touchdowns, a comeback win. But since then, it's been more of what you would expect from a rookie quarterback, just three touchdowns and six interceptions. And I, I would just say, like, the, the point I wanted to make on this, Raj, is just how important that first game was for him. Because if he didn't have that game, and he didn't have a preseason where he was there, I think people would look at his numbers, and all those critics— that slammed the Giants for taking him six overall, would be out screaming right now. I can't believe we took him. I can't believe we wasted this pick. But because he had that one good game against the Bucs, they've all gone quiet, which is a good thing. But I think it speaks volumes. And on the flip side, you compare him to Dwayne Haskins, who his first playing time was against the Giants. He throws three picks. Now it's an uphill battle for him to win over some goodwill. And it's not fair. It's not the way it should be. But it's just kind of how our society works. And that first impression matters so much. I think it's a pretty glaring, um, you know, juxtaposition of those two quarterbacks next to each other. When you look at Dwayne Haskins' start versus Daniel Jones' start, Daniel Jones might not have a better year or even a career, but all because he had that one game, he was the toast of New York. And everybody says, oh, he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a, a very, you know, it's interesting how that narrative gets created, right? And then it's hard to either, you know, live it down or, or, um, you know, support it sometimes. Uh, Daniel Jones. I left the game feeling like he's fine. Now he hasn't he hasn't won games, but he's playing with nobody. Like he's got he didn't, no Saquon Barkley, no Evan Ingram. Um, who's the other guy? Shepard. Like he, he doesn't have his receivers. And a lot of those balls, Danny. When I watched it, and you talked about the Patriots' uh, defensive stats in terms of pass defense, there were a lot of balls that he dropped in like perfect spots, and defenders just made you know, equally as perfect defensive plays uh, against some of those receivers. I, I think he's fine, but I do think there is something to, if he doesn't win that Tampa game and he's sitting here at 0-3 and, and he's thrown three picks in the last game, uh, the narrative being completely different around Daniel Jones, it's it's just our knee-jerk society, right? Like, we just, that's what we do. Like, we we're ready to make you you know, Hall of Famer after one win and we're ready to say you don't belong in the NFL You know, as a rookie after three picks. It's unfortunate, but it's the world that these guys kind of play in. It's the landscape that they have to navigate. Um, I think that both of these guys ultimately will be fine, but there is definitely something to um, creating that narrative with that first start and that first impression.
0: And I saw some people last night on social media saying, are the Giants really better with Daniel Jones or Eli Manning? And maybe Daniel Jones looks more like Eli Manning than we would want. And it was you saw some of the peep criticism starting to come in. And all I would say is just thank goodness he had that first game. Because I can imagine how much worse it would have been had yeah, he not had this one. You know? I,
1: I still think if you're gonna get Eli Manning playing like Eli Manning or Daniel Jones playing like Eli Manning, roll with Daniel Jones playing like Eli Manning because there's at least the potential for some upside there and for some growth. Um and maybe a higher ceiling at this point. If you're the Giants and you're not going anywhere, and I'm a, I, I like Eli. I don't have a beef with him, but you already know what Eli is. There's no more ceiling there. So if Daniel Jones is gonna be playing like Eli, at least you can say, hey, we're working him. Uh, he's gonna have a growing uh type of learning year. Um, there'll be a tutorial, and then we'll roll out next year, ready to try to win some games. Uh, welcome back to Canel and Bell. For anyone wondering, Danny, if you're listening, because we lost Danny uh, with the Skype connection, uh, yours truly did cop to Travis Scott's. Uh, not only did I get in the drawing, but I am actually, I have been drawn in the drawing. So I got Travis Scott's for anybody wondering. Let's talk some basketball because we lost, Um, you know, our football side of things. I'm going to bring Joey in. Uh, Joe, you there?
2: Yeah, I got you. What's up, Raj?
1: All right. So let's talk some basketball, bro. You usually, you know, we're off air a lot. And sometimes Danny jokes about, you know, us being able to have the cameras, Behind the scenes a little bit, you actually have some really good NBA questions and you're a good NBA mind. So I figured while Danny's out, let's just chop it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I got you. Well, we didn't have this originally in the show, but we just got this alert. Uh, Eric Bledsoe has a small rib fracture. He's going to be out two to three weeks, so he should be back and playing in the regular season. But I know from experience, rib fractures suck. It's it's one of the worst injuries there is. It's hard to breathe. It um and without brogdon we've talked about this on the show i'm i think losing brogdon is a huge hit for them so any type of injury in their backcourt is not good for this team that's supposed to be the favorite in the east Raja, do you think is it a big deal that he's going to be out two or three weeks i mean wh- wh- how, how do you react to that
1: um now look while you are correct in that rib injuries are like excruciating they're really really tough um you know, cause you take for granted just breathing and your rib cage expanding and laughing and just your day to day, the things that, you know, would, would irritate a rib injury. I've had separated ribs, um, and they're just painful. They're no fun. Uh, the, the injury sucks, but you can come back from them relatively quickly. Um, you can protect them with some sort of flak jack and stuff like that once it's healed. So I think he'll be fine if it's only a two week injury. Um, you're also right in that, that the Bucks can't really afford a whole lot of injuries, especially in the backcourt um and so again like if it's if it's any longer than the two weeks we could have an issue but seeing as though it's only a week to two weeks I think it's good I do think though the bucks and I've heard from people within their organization uh that they feel like they're like a wing type of slashing player someone else who can create his own shot away um from really really being a team that would be favored to win the Eastern Conference or that should win the Eastern Conference you you look at the way they played last year Malcolm Brogdon, and he is a young star, Joe. Like, I, I also share your affinity for him as a player. I think he's going to be really, really good. He was the other guy that could kind of create other than Bledsoe and, 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 uh, and Giannis, uh, losing him. You know, you're just down another guy that can go get it. And you saw against Toronto, um, when Bledsoe wasn't having his best games, they take Giannis away and they're committed to just sucking into the paint and, and locking that down. You didn't have another guy you could throw the ball to and go get buckets. And I think, um, you know, they are a player like that you know, away. Maybe someone will step up this year and assume that responsibility. Chris Middleton has to take the next step, um, as a young star, right? He's he's good, he's an all star, but he's gotta take that next step into star stratosphere to go along with Giannis for them to really be the favorite in the East. It doesn't mean they can't win it, but to be the favorite, I think he needs to take that step, uh, to become that guy.
2: Yeah, and looking at their roster right now, their backup point guard is George Hill, who played well in the playoffs for them, but you're not making it too deep with George as your starting point guard at this point in the NBA. So, yeah, I don't think I agree with you. I don't I don't think it'll impact them a ton, but if it becomes a lingering thing, it could be an issue for them down the road. Um, so the other big news on the court yesterday, at least, in the NBA, Steph Curry looks like Steph Curry. And I know me and you, we might disagree with what the ceiling is for the Warriors this year a little bit, uh, but Steph had 40 in 25 minutes yesterday. It is preseason, but Steph looks, he looks like he's on a mission. And I actually think we probably need to already, and I know it's this might be a drastic overreaction, we probably need to have a discussion about Steph being an MVP candidate early in this season because he, I think he's going to be out to prove that this has always been his team and that they can win without Kevin Durant. Um, what do you think? I don't know if you saw, I watched the whole game I'm impressed with the way him and D'Lo are able to play together. What Do you th- do? you put any stock in him putting 40 up in a preseason game in 25 minutes? And what do you think is sort of their ceiling this year?
1: Oh, I I definitely put um, stock in that, Joe. Look, you know like I know, most NBA um, two-time MVPs or, or unanimous MVPs or whatever he has, they don't come out there looking to get any buckets in preseason games. They're just out there to get a sweat keep it moving, get back into camp, get through camp, and get to the regular season. The fact that his mind is where it is right now uh, in a preseason game, I, I think that does show you something, and I do agree. He is on a mission. Um, I said it last year about Steph and Golden State. When they had to absorb, or they didn't have to, but when they chose to absorb Kevin Durant, Steph Curry gave up three, four years of, of prime um, Steph Curry basketball to allow Kevin Durant to come in and help them win championships. That's a very unselfish thing. Now, yeah, they won championships, but you give up some of yourself in an effort to do that. I think he wants to make a statement to the league that, look, don't don't forget about this. Like, I, I was a cool enough cat to let KD come in and have the ball, but I'm Steph Curry. Like, I was unanimous. Like, they like, see me. Um, and there'll, there'll be a, a canvas for him to do that, especially not having to share shots with Klay Thompson this year. I think he knows that he's going to have to score a bunch of points, and they will play like that. The ceiling, I think we do disagree on the ceiling. I do not think that they are a championship-level team this year. Could they make the playoffs? Yes. I do believe they'll have to fight to get in the playoffs because the West is loaded. But I don't think there's a there's a scenario in my mind where they make a push for a championship this year.
2: I actually I actually got to disagree with you. I don't think they're fighting to make the playoffs. I think that's a playoff team. Just watching them, they have firepower, man. Like I'm just looking at... The way they have, even the guys that they brought in, they become mm-hmm. better players. Like these young guys, like Pascal from Villanova, and they've traded for Amari Spellman, and even Marquise Chris. He's not going to play a ton when uh, Willie Collie Stein and Kevon Looney are healthy. But the guys that they brought in are made better by the players that are around them. And once they get Clay back halfway through the year, whenever they get him, I I don't think they're fighting for a playoff. I don't. Prob, they're probably not a championship team, but I can't count them out of being a championship contending type of team eventually this year just because we we've, we've seen with that the only the biggest difference when Clay is healthy on this team from that team that won a bunch of games four, 3 and 4 years ago they don't have Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston.
1: They were huge parts of that. I
2: understand they were huge parts of that, but I just think the way this team can is built with Steph, D'Lo, Clay, Draymond. I mean, you're talking about you still have four All-Stars in your starting lineup. I still think there is a potential for them to be a deep team, a team that goes deep in the West and potentially go to the finals. I don't think they will, but there's just no team that to me is a lock to go in the West.
1: So I didn't mean to throw any shade at the The reason they're fighting for a playoff spot in my estimation is because the West is loaded. Because you have teams um, that are just, you know, Favorites to win championships in the West, right? You're talking about the Lakers. You're talking about the Clippers. Um, some people even saying the Rockets. You've said the Rockets before. Like those type of teams, you're not going to be better than. And then so when you get down to like five, let's say, I think it's a dogfight. Like it's just it's a credit to how deep the West is. Um, less of a slight to Golden State. I just don't see them being able to recapture what they had five years ago. That was a special group. Um, Andre Iguodala. Was the unsung hero. I mean, I, he won MVP in the finals, so I guess it's not unsung, but he, um, and Sean Livingston were both guys that gave you a lot of versatility, not only offensively, but defensively. Um, I don't, I don't know that you re- recreate that with a bunch of young guys. Those were seasoned vets who had played in huge playoff games and huge playoff runs, and they knew what their job was and how to do it, and they could operate, you know, under the tensest conditions. I don't, look, w- what is, I, I, I like D'Angelo Russell. What's he play? What's he, like, there's no real seasoning on that. Right. There's no there's like he played one year of college. He hasn't really played for anything in the NBA. They had a brief playoff run last year. And the other names that you've mentioned, they're they're good players. I'm not throwing shade at them, but they just haven't been in those wars. And if we know anything about the NBA, it's not the young guys that win the championships for you. Those guys need seasoning. Right. It's those vets that you can plug into an already sound roster to get you over the hump uh, and can play meaningful minutes for you to support what you already have. And there's a lack of that in Golden State. So I do not think that they can win a championship. And I do see them – I think they'll be in the playoffs, but I do think it's going to be tougher um, than people think because the West is loaded.
2: Yeah, I get that point. Actually, I think – yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense on the, the other parts with Golden State. Uh, but I do think uh, before we go – because guess what? We got Danny back. So we're <laughs> going to go to break right here. But right. But, what we, but what we know is like you know, we talk about it all the time that when you have one of those guys in the NBA, you always have a chance. And Steph is still one of those guys. That's true. And these teams like the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, I, mean, I mean, it's probably it. But the teams that we're talking about is like the lock type of contending teams in the West. Outside of those guys that they have, they don't have a ton of experienced guys who have been there and done it before they do have vets who are good and 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 are probably better than the other players that the Warriors are plugging in but it's not like tons of experience but there.
1: all of those duos are better than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson no
2: I don't know not with a healthy Clay. I mean are you taking Harden and Russ over yes. Steph and Klay you yes. are
1: yes oh I mean yes.
2: it's that's hard for me to say you're not taking LeBron and AD no well LeBron and AD I think well that's you Kawhi got, and
1: talk, Kawhi and Paul George
2: I, Paul George is just I can't oh. I, I don't know if I could do it. Look, I okay. I, I, w- I think I would take Clay over Paul George if they're both healthy. Uh, I would take Kawhi over Steph. But so you know, it's, it's I, hear you, it's it's, splitting it's, splitting I hear you, bro. We're splitting hairs. You're splitting hairs. You're talking about two of the three out of the four between Kawhi, Paul George, and Clay. You're talking about three of the four best two way players in the game. And then with Steph, you're talking about one of the best players. Sorry, best, maybe the best point card ever. So maybe yes, I'm hairs, I'm
1: old fashioned, but like, and this is probably not fair to Steph. I think Steph's remarkable. I, I I I I'm a big fan of the family of Steph, of everything that goes on there. Um, if you're splitting hairs, give me bigger, stronger, faster.
0: Welcome back to Kennel and Bell. We started the show with me on my phone trying to get the Travis Scott Jordan release, the sixes that are out. You got them.
1: I got him, bro. I've already let everyone know. I took your spot in the line. I hijacked that. I listen. I've got the, I've got the formula for it now. You can't be the immediate, like thirsty, uh, sweat of a button pusher. You can't do that. Right. You don't get in. The gods don't smile on you when you do that. So you wait, you chill, you let five to 10 seconds elapse and you casually hit the button dog. And that's how you do it.
0: Messed up, man. I'm so mad right now. I was the idiot that's on there like trying to push it 20 times and like sputtering through it. I'm so mad at it right now. Uh, We were doing our NFL pick before I got interrupted by this awful connection here in New York City. Hopefully it stays up. If it doesn't, you and Joey will have to take us home. But we were doing our picks in the NFL, and I was going to hit on the 49ers at the Rams. It's a really compelling game in the NFC West. But I wanted to get into this topic because yesterday... Uh Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk put out a tweet and it was basically referencing the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation where they've got Buck Devlin and we were like who the heck is this dude who's pretty much a no-name quarterback. I didn't know who he was. He apparently was a pretty good player at Samford. He was a two-time Harlan Hill award winner, which is the Heisman Trophy winner at the lower level of college football. Nonetheless, he's not that like he's not an NFL caliber quarterback, and nobody thinks he will be. But Mike Florio put out a tweet and he said, here we go again, another quarterback who's, you know, supposedly better than Colin Kaepernick and he's getting an opportunity while Colin Kaepernick sits at home. I got irritated by it because I think it's lazy. I don't think it takes in any of the nuance with the salary that takes place that has to be considered. And it's just kind of a lazy way to rile up the masses, which I think it does on both sides. But Colin Kaepernick's people... I don't know if they responded to Florio's tweet or whatever the situation was with a lot of quarterbacks that are out there playing that aren't very household names. They said, according to his people, they have reached out to all 32 teams expressing interest and didn't hear back from one. Are you surprised by this? I'm not. I don't, and it may sound insensitive, but I'm starting to buy into what you always say is he's not playing again. Just deal with it. Yeah, look,
1: I don't. I I like Colin Kaepernick. I want Colin Kaepernick to play again. I think Colin Kaepernick and his body of work as an NFL quarterback speaks for itself. Like I've got all the stats in front of me. He's he's sixth best in NFL history among QBs with at least seventy touchdowns. Um, in in, in terms of TD to interception ratio, like seventy two touchdowns, thirty picks, twelve thousand passing yards, thirteen rushing TDs, two twenty three hundred rushing yards. Four and two in the playoffs, including a Super Bowl appearance. Like, do I have to keep doing this, Danny? I like Colin Kaepernick. He should be in the NFL. He will never play in the NFL again. It's unfortunate. And I don't understand why we can't just come out and say that he was blackballed. Like, why can't we agree? Like, why can't you see that is my problem. It. it you've signed – I don't have all these quarterback names. Like, the guys that you've rolled out there on NFL rosters, you cannot convince me that they – um, are better for your team in, in terms of trying to win games than Colin Kaepernick. And we like some of the some of the things that were put out there about Cap um uh relative to like did he want too much money? Well, his his agents addressed that. He says uh you know, the question is Colin demanded a specific salary. No, the narrative is completely false. Um what about Colin being a distraction? Well, he says his coach Chip Kelly during the 2016 season said about Colin. He is quote unquote zero distraction. Um, in the same season, Colin won the Len Eshmont award voted on by the 49ers players and given to the 49er who best exemplifies inspirational and courageous play, not social life, not, 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 a uh, social commentary, right? Like this is on the field stuff. So I don't understand why we all just can't agree that the NFL said Colin Kaepernick ain't playing in the NFL anymore. He will never get a job in the NFL. And they've stuck to that. That's all that this is.
0: And they settled with him, you know, like that's the thing also that gets overlooked, which I think does hurt his case. Like, I think it's a little bit um, you have to take that in consideration, like in addition to blocking him out the first time, you think the NFL owners after paying him and the sum is unknown, right? That was part of the deal that he could not release the terms of that deal. Like, you think the NFL owners are going to be happy that they settled with him and paid him some amount of money that even makes it more unlikely that he's going to come back So my thing with Mike Florio would be, well, let's just put it to bed. Like, why keep riling up people? Because it is a hot-button issue, and people get fired up one way or another. I think we'd be better. I wish he would get an opportunity. I wish he would, because I think it would be – I think you would see – it would appease, I think, both sides. I think some people would be, yes, this is it for Colin Kaepernick. And then the other side, because I don't think he would play that great. So I think the other side would be, yeah, see, this is why he wasn't in, which I guess maybe that's just a bad situation for everybody. But ultimately, I don't think he plays either. So why can't we just move on instead of keep kicking this thing that still is a very controversial issue that's out there in the league? I don't know. It's it's frustrating because it keeps coming up. I wish he could come back and get that opportunity. And you cannot. Maybe when the season starts and there are 32 quarterbacks, you could say, yeah, maybe he wouldn't start over these guys. There's no way that you could make the case that he's not a top 64, that he deserves to be a top paid backup in the NFL. There literally, there's no way you could make that case. Uh, for him. Sierra Canyon in the high school. Let's do some high school basketball. You're a high school coach. You know, you love it. Sierra Canyon, home of LeBron James' son, Brawny, Dwayne Wade's son as well, as well as, who was the other player that I'm missing? There was another five-star on their roster. Uh, Yes, that's the other one. Uh, Yeah, his son's on the team too. They are holding a media day, which I never was a part of. I don't know if you were a part of. I don't know any other school that's been a part of this. Do you have a problem with a high school holding an NBA-style media day with a photo shoot, press coverage, and all the rest that goes along with it?
1: Um, Danny, Danny, Danny. I want to <laughs> choose my words wisely here because if you're saying, and Joey and I, Joey made the point off-air, that all of these kids are going to be a major, you know, Division one programs in a couple years. They'll, they'll probably be no, they'll no longer be the rule in place where they have to go to college. So a lot of them might go straight, um, to the pros. Um, and you want to start acclimating them to the, to the monster that is the press and start, you know, getting them used to that. So it's not such a, such a smack in the face, uh, when they get to the NBA and they're not caught off guard by it. Um, I, I could see that. I could see introducing media to these guys and, and teaching them how to be savvy, but the overall, like, treatment of our younger players in in all sports this isn't just basketball as if they are already professional players is kind of part of the problem for me like i did coach high school i do coach high school and i've had players in high school games uh come down and finish a, a, a layup um and instead of getting back on defense in a tight game two-point game layup puts you up by two four minutes left in the game um there's a camera crew following the kid around and instead of getting back on defense He's over there hamming it up for the camera as he runs down the damn baseline. And you're screaming at him to get back on defense. Like, so treating them as if they're stars and having their Instagram, uh, you you know, personality be more important, you know, than the team's wins, I think is a, is a, it's a overall problem. It's not just Sierra Canyon. It's our, it's our youth playing sports. And I get that, you know, social media has taken over and you've got to build these kids' brands and that sometimes translates into being recruited. And so I guess I'm the old curmudgeon that has to, keep up with the times a little bit. But I do think it becomes problematic. I've had kids that are more concerned um, with the media and with whoever's filming them that particular night uh, than they are with the outcome of the game. And that is a problem.
0: I think it's – so I'm with you. I'm old school as well. Imagine coaching that team. Like, good luck to the coach of that. Like, I don't know. There's some big personalities on there. I mean, are you going to be able to coach them hard? Are you can be able to get after them. And maybe maybe D. Wade and LeBron and all the other dads that are on there are around with it and saying, do whatever you want. I think it's a handful. I would say you haven't made a shot yet at either college or the NBA. Like you haven't accomplished anything. And there are that like there is a laundry list of players who have been awesome in high school. You know, that it were stars in high school. And then what'd they do? Nothing. Like they they just end up, that's all they are is great high school players maybe these guys are sure things. Maybe Bronny goes on and him and LeBron get to play on the same team. And that's great. It'd be an incredible story. But I also wonder about the setup for failure. You know, like you put the cart before the horse and you christen these guys as the next big thing. And then when it doesn't happen, everybody else goes away. But then you leave somebody damaged. And a lot of time it's these guys who have already incredible shoes to fill by being the sons of NBA stars. And you have to deal with that somewhat with your boys. Like there's I'm sure it's tough. It's not easy to be the son of an NBA player and like it is for your boys or it is for LeBron and D. Wade's kids. Like that's a tough act for them. And there's a lot of pressure surrounding them. So I, I I wonder about the damage that it does there, not only to their egos, which inflates them, but what if they're not as good as they're portrayed to be and people come out of the woodwork criticizing them for nothing really that they've done. So I'm not a fan of this overall. Although if they do it, you know who else is going to probably start doing it? Other teams. You'll see football teams start to do a media day, and they'll latch on. And what scares me is that high school sports is really starting to become a lot more similar to professional sports, and I think that's a scary thing uh, for high school kids because it should be fun in high school, right? There's a lot more pressure on high school kids than ever before.
1: Yeah, I mean, my my sons have no nowhere near the the type of pressure that those guys have. Um, you know, but look, you. you you hit the nail on the head. Don't put the cart before the horse, right? Do the work, um, become the player um, that, that warrants all of that, uh, and, and then you give it to them. That way you're sure uh, that you're not left there as, as, you know, as someone who couldn't live up to the hype, you know?
0: Yep, good stuff. All right for the Internet Connection. We'll be back on Monday, back in studio together. See you. Enjoy the weekend. Later, bro.